I am Gaima, and you have arrived. Welcome. Spend some time. Trying to finish up my long day. You know, you look like you're at the spa. Are you working on it? Yeah. Are you working, working on a pet? Uh, huh? Are you working on a dog? Yeah, I am. I'm finishing up. Can I see? Oh my god, this one is crazy. But why not? He's just too much. Oh my god! Trying to finish him, but he's just acting up. Oh, he looks annoyed with you. Yeah, he doesn't like to get groomed. He definitely oh. doesn't. And the owner liked that shaggy look, which I don't like, but I'm trying to do it the way they want it. So I'm here. What I'm just finishing up. Is uh, it's a um, it's a poodle. It's a miniature poodle. I mean, a cockapoodle. Oh, sorry. A cockapoodle. I, I used to have a toy poodle. Oh, word? In yes. Ohio? Yes. That's what's up. Yes, there's they're they're so cute. I just love them. I know, but this one right here is just he just annoyed me. But I'm just finishing him up and then I'm done for the day. So when you told me six o'clock, like damn, I gotta rush today and finish. But I had another podcast that I was doing that kind mm -hmm. of over and kind of just threw me off a little bit. But it's all good. It is what it is. Well, honestly, this is this is even better because we're seeing you in the element. Oh my God! I'm always yes. work too much. I'm always working. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, like There's... you know, say like we don't fumble anymore. Every time outside they and they work at uh, you know, nurses aid or those uh, hospital places. That's me. <laughs> I'm always. Oh uh, no, no, no! First of all, no shade with people there because you know, I'm say not... they get for pay bills then I am. They get for pay bills now, now, now free time. Of they get course. for pay bills then back upline. Of course. All I'm saying is salon people that we like for work. You know, I mean, you guys like to work. You huh? guys. You guys. You salon people. Salon I people don't... like for work. We like for take over time. I, yeah, but the thing about it is, what's different is because you're doing your own thing. You're not going and working two double shifts for an institution that doesn't give any dams about you. Nah, you're right That's about it. You know, yes. Hard work. I mean, thank God I was able to get to this point, but it wasn't easy. But you know, what I mean, I had two, three jobs when I was young. I've always so so so. Let's let's take it a step back because mm -hmm. though there's those that are on right now that don't know you, there are those that will watch this after the fact. Um. So for those who have joined or who will join or who will watch welcome to conversations with creatives 
I am Gaima. Today I have Mr. Brian Taylor joining us live from his actual shop in Harlem, New York. Yes. Body, you body final. Wait on join. That's hello. Both of us are Sierra Leonean. If you haven't caught on yet, so every now and then we may slip in and out of Creole. Uh-huh. You'll deal with it. You'll deal with it. I know, I know. Um, really? I'll do my best to translate. Definitely. It's, it's not hard. It's it's like broken English. Definitely. I don't even consider it to be broken. I feel like it's just more lively. Mm. We break it down and bring it up. Because English is kind of boring. Let's just be honest. You're right about English. It's yeah. boring. Same words and I don't know. It's just, it's not the same no more, I guess. I mean, no, you never know what you do gets. Exactly, exactly. So, um, so you, I don't. How long have you? First of all, before you decided to go into this unorthodox line of business, especially for an African, specifically a Sierra Leonean, what were you doing before this? Wow. Um... I graduated from college. I had a mass media and a business uh, degree. And uh, I used to be a banker for JP Morgan Chase. I help small businesses when it comes to everything from payroll services to merchants to credit card. Just my job was to bring business and cash into the bank. And I did that for like five years. I mean, it was great. I made good money. And it was a time where... Um, before the recession, where there was so much opportunity to grow in that industry. Um, mm-hmm. And I loved it. I mean, I, I moved to Harlem. I'm from Jersey originally. Someone said, Franklin, if you guys know that area, you know, which has a whole lot of Leone people there. It's about 10,000 10, more or less of you guys there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, I went to school in Ohio, and that's how I, 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 I've known, I met you actually a couple of times. You know, uh, you know, I was in Columbus for like uh, four years. Uh, mm-hmm. Uncle lived out there, and I was able to go to college out there. So, yes, my whole plan was to be a banker and obviously support Sierra Leone and find new ways where long term was to go back home and mm-hmm. work in government in some shape or form. So that was my dream. But you know, dreams always turn left, right, and up and down, and everything. So. Um, Basically, when the market crashed, I was in a situation where I had money saved. Mm -hmm. I was partying, and I was 26 then, and I was like, I wanted to do something. I wanted to find a way to make an extra income. I didn't want to work four jobs. And and I'm going to keep it 100 with you. When I was a banker, I was a photographer in the African parties. So I used to go to African parties, set up my camera, have the back backdrop and I had my little Canon printer and I'll take pictures and charge people anywhere between five, seven and ten dollars. So Yo, that's I, such a hustle. That's I, such a it's I, such a lucrative hustle. But it was. It was. You are not shit because you know damn good and well that you're not really a photographer. You just I bought a nice camera. Keep it over I bought a camera from <sighs> uh from whatever the place on thirty fourth street. I can't even think of the place uh the photography shop, right? Yeah. I bought it for like three fifty, and I'm like, you know what? Africans they love taking pictures in this they love taking party. Photos. 
and, and, and the stuff would be low quality. So I spent like $500. I remember that. And I went to one party in Jersey, and my man was throwing it. And I paid him like $20, right, to get it. I drank free. And within the night, I made $500. I believe like, it. Because you can give them that photo right there. Oh, the part I was like, I was for three dollars, I can email you the picture. So I was making money on top of that. And oh my god, further, I bought the Muslim background and, and I charged twelve dollars to do the Muslim background. So I had then I then I bought my boy on, and my boy he loved he's from Liberia, so he loves Salian women. So he was going to spit games, but gone. I was like taking pictures, so that was like one of my first business. But what got me out of it, it was in the Bronx. I used to go to the Bronx to, to do the parties, too. Mm -hmm. Turned around and somebody stole my camera. <laughs> I was so pissed. In the Bronx? They, yes. They, that they, sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> so I was so vexed. And everybody, I don't know that. I don't know that. So the next week, I went and bought my camera. And I stood there. And I took all the pictures. I made the money of what they lost. And then yeah. I... Like, man, I don't want to mess with seven people like that. <laughs> it was just if I wanted to go and set the statement that I was going to go there and, and knowing that this thing stopped me, I was still going to do my thing. So so basically, I've always had like a business mindset of doing business thing. When I was 15, I had a paper route with my cousin. Mm -hmm. Like we used to drop off paper and made a little bit of money. And I like making money. I'm sorry. I had like I had mad jobs. I worked at Lord and Taylor Macy's, all these different places. So um, I never wanted to depend on my mom because you know my mom was working in, in, in the nurses' aid, and and I never yeah. like I want a pair of sneakers. You know, can you like get that for me? I always wanted to get it for myself. So um, that was it. So the reason why I got into this business it wasn't because of money. I've always loved animals, but I had so mm -hmm. much. Money. I didn't know what to do with it. And I actually tried with Celion. I, I went back to Celion in 2008. And I took like like three or four drums of like fake Gucci clothes and bags and all that stuff. I was like, I'm going to go flip it out there or whatever. I went there and I flipped some of it the, uh, the month I was there. But I was like, I got greedy. I was like, all right, cool. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to start a business with my cousin's. And I saw, I sent like six different drums full with stuff like bags, shoes, clothes. Just it was so full, and I never made no money back. So you're the reason why, when I was there ten years after the fact, I'm still seeing faded, fake Gucci <laughs> on our people in Freetown. Yep, I was one okay. of the reasons why. I didn't have enough money to do cars, but um. I just I did the drums for a while, but when my cousins they uh they got me and I was kind of mad in the beginning about like you know what everything is a hustle, yeah. So I was kind of cool with it because it was like they made their money, but um I just knew I wanted to have my own business. So these were all of the foundations to kind of just do my own thing. And when I moved to Harlem, I just mm -hmm. saw a need for animal services, and back then I had dreadlocks, so I used to like twist my own dreadlocks. So I never had to pay, like, you know, the money it costs to do all that, that stuff. So I just knew I was always good with my hands. So when I went to dog grooming school, and, and then, like, probably six months later, I partnered up with this lady that went left, you know. 
But you got to stop. Wait, 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 wait. How do you go I'm from... I'm telling you too much, right? No, no, no. No, you got to stop. Let's take it a step back. I got too much going. I, I can tell you a lot. I mean, my There's story two lessons. The first lesson, for those of you who have joined who are Sierra Leonean, this is a lesson that I think every Sierra Leonean who lives abroad learns either from family members indirectly or they learn directly from suffering from family members. If you're doing business in Sierra Leone and you want it to be successful, A, you have to do it yourself, which means you have to be there to collect. B, you have to have an advocate there who's doing the business on your behalf that has more money than you. Yes. Or C, you're just going to give charity because you're not going to make any money because your actual family members who you believe it in possession of are going to be the ones who take it from you. Of course, that's what happened. So, I so if any of you are on and you're offended, I don't care because it's the truth. I, <laughs> it is I what it so, is. I was so vexed at my family. Like literally I didn't send no money for two years and my cousin begged me and begged me like, Yo, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Blah blah blah. This oh, it wasn't selling. All these different excuses. I'm like, Yo, boss. I literally gave you an opportunity for us to. I'm, I live in New York. I can go get right. anything you want. Right. I'm giving you an opportunity for you to make money so that right. you don't have to do anything. And I don't have to send for you. Exactly. You can right. And I and I tried two. Of my, so I tried my mother's side and my father's side. And they both got you. They both got me. They both got me, man. I was so bad. I'm glad that you bring it up because, you know, it, it's real. It's just, that's just, it is what it is. And, you know, when I say, oh, now where you going? Yeah, now where you this? Now where you that? Where you? you know, but it's the truth. So now the second lesson in what you have shared thus far is you're definitely somebody who is able to do things yourself. You would rather learn how to do it yourself then yeah. pay somebody to do it for you. I yeah, just want to yeah. how we leaped from you doing your hair on your own to going to dog grooming school. I Still know. So, I know. So <laughs> the other thing I'm, I'm, I'm really good at, I'm very analytical. I look at things. I look at trends. I like numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's what I was taught. So, you know, living in Harlem in 2007, I'll walk around knocking on people's doors trying to get business for the bank. I used to work for uh, J.P. Morgan Chase. I worked on a retail side, then I went to commercial banking. So mm. I just, man, every time I stop, I'm like, damn, look at this dog. Look at this dog. I've never seen this kind of dog. And it was just so amazing for me just to, just to kind of see that trend that was changing in the, hold on one second, client's going to pick up this dog. Hold on, man. Okay. okay, I'm just picking up one dog. Uh, come on. Those who have recently joined, welcome. Hey, welcome. Oh my God. I'm going to have you take him and now give you a call. I'm just on a live for business. Uh, same Venmo, right? Yes, yeah, same Venmo. Uh, dog Father Harlem. Um, and how much? I'll text you. I'm just, okay. I got to finish this no first. Worries. Okay, no okay. worries. All right, see you later. Yeah. You don't want to tell us your business? Do you like it, right? You're happy with it? All right. Thank you so much, man. See you later. Yeah, he was good. He was amazing. All right. All right, man. See you at the bottom one. Yeah, so. I'm, Live test. Who's doing this? Yeah, just the other one. I'm waiting for the mom to come pick him up.
So, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm, I'm working, right? The pandemic has changed a lot in my business because I had mm -hmm. a full staff, but now it's just like four of us working. And today's my day to work, but it's all good, man. Everything's going to come back around. It's just a matter of time, you know? So, so, mm -hmm. so dog grooming, you, you were walking through, and I understand totally, you know, I mean, as you know, I don't know how many people know, but I definitely spent a lot of my formative career years with J.P. Morgan Chase as well. Oh, yeah, and, I remember that. You were yeah. in commercial, right? Or was I was... Your... I was on retail, and then I was in branch administration. Wow. Dope, 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 dope. Yeah. Yep. So I definitely understand pounding the pavements. I'm right here. It was me. It's just I had to put my plug in. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. I was going to say, who is that? Oh. Um, no, so I understand pounding the pavements and getting to know, like, the, the local neighborhoods mm -hmm. and stuff like that and the trends that are happening. So if you're seeing all these dogs, like they looked disheveled. Is that what it was? No, I just, you know, I, I used to ask them, hey, where do you go get your service from? And this time, this is when the industry are like $50 billion. Um, I was like, mm. where do people get their service from? Like, and I'll ask people. And, and, and at this time, like literally all my commission had came in. I, I lived with five guys. So I was paying like $400 in rent, and all I was doing was going to Jamaican parties, hanging out and trying to pop bottles. That's all I was doing. I'm like, man, I'm spending so much money. I need to do something. So I sat down with one of my good friends. He was a financial advisor. I'm like, listen, I think the dog, dog business is an opportunity. What do you think? And he said, black people don't service dogs the way that um, you know whites do it. I'm like, I don't think that's true because every time I walk down the block and I see people, they have their dogs. The dogs look freshly groomed. Some of them mm. were pit bulls, but we saw a lot of young women with cute little dogs. Because mind you, at this time, Paris Hilton was yes. making small dogs so like you know a, a trend. So a lot yeah. of people were getting dogs. So I asked them, and you know, some you know, think about people. Sometimes you gotta watch your energy and the people you're around. I love them to death. You know, he's still my good brother. But, like, if they don't see and understand trends and they're mm -hmm. going to shut you down immediately, that's not the kind of person you should be sharing your contact or your 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 vision with because right. they are your friends, but that's just it. They're just your friends. I have, okay, my other last one is picking up. Hold on one second. No. Okay. I'm going to give them to you. I'm on a live, and then I'll text you. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'll text you. You can do it to Venmo. I'm just on the line. I'll, then I'll call you tomorrow. I can't right now. I'm really doing this. You know I love you. I'll call you tomorrow. All right? I need to finish this. Bye. Wait, you this bag. Let me give you this bag. This is bag right here. Yeah, I'm here tomorrow. Just come by tomorrow. We'll take care of the payment. All right. All right. So, sorry about that. I just didn't want to stop and do that. She comes on regular, so I trust her. Um, so that whole trend, I saw it. So one day, um, this girl who was a dog walker walked into the to, to the branch I was working at, and and she had like four dogs on her. And I asked her like, "Hey, what do you do?" She said she dog she do dog walk. People pay her like twenty dollars to walk her dog for like fifteen minutes. And I was doing the math like that shit don't. That's a lot of money for like having five dogs. So right. that was my mindset, like, okay, this makes sense. 
But the one thing that she taught me at that time was you do services and people always come back. And if you remember from J.P. Morgan Chase, the one thing they always talked about was services, working the customers, helping them with the transaction because they will always come back. So that really hit home for me. So in six months of just knowing this woman, I invested like $20,000 in her business. I was like, you know, we can do it. I'll do the business side and you do the service side in terms of you know the products, you can mm -hmm. groom the dogs and I'll make sure everything else runs. And um, within seven, eight months, it was the worst situation I was ever in. Really? Like, yeah, it was worse because the one thing that that's been a trend in like, I, this comes from my mother, you know what I'm saying? We, I want to say in Creole, we sorry for trust people them too quick until they mess us up. So okay. the trust that I, I took upon her, I didn't understand that you need to understand her character. And this was 26. Character and service is not the same thing. Just because you're good at one thing, that doesn't mean you're a good person. That just means you're good at this thing. Right. If your character is not consistent to who you are as a person, it just goes a long way. So basically, she stole money. I was going to say, so she hustled you. Yeah, she did. I mean, it is what it yeah. is. But she stole money. We got into debt. But the business was so good. We're, we're helping so many people that it didn't matter. Like, whenever mm -hmm. she stole money, boom, we made it back. Whenever she needed really? something, we made it back. Because we were the only one in Harlem that was doing what we were doing. And then we were black. And then our price was really good. So everyone was coming everywhere to do it. But the one thing that I've always done well is when it comes to ownership, you got to own certain things. Mm -hmm. the, the lease was in my name. Mm -hmm. I incorporated the business. Mm -hmm. You know, I made you a partner. I set up an incorporation um, uh, uh, agreements, a partnership agreement. So I just knew enough about what I knew about business that long term, I knew that I was going to keep the business, even if she walked out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And basically, I in a year and a half later, I did a hostile takeover. Um, the money that she stole, you know, that was her buyout. And mm -hmm. I already had the lease under my name. While she was there, I had already been strategically planning that this wasn't going to work out. I went to grooming school and I learned and I got the chance to work underneath her to learn all the great stuff that she knew because I knew I was going to be better than her, but I wanted her to have her shine and learn from her. So those are the benefits that I got. I mean, the wow. buyout that she took was way more money that she put into the business in two years that she was right. able to take that money and go start her own. But instead of her starting a salon, she went into her own home and did it from her house. And usually that's the pitfall for any business owners mm -hmm. that, that start in a, in a brick and mortar and then take it back home. You're only yeah. selling yourself short. Right. So, so when you ask me how it started, it was by accident, but it was more of me just saying, you know what? I'm going to take ownership in this business. I'm already down. I need to find a way to be up. And that's what helped me through the whole process because I had to cut down all my expenses. I got, I had a nice apartment. I had to let go of it and have my good friend rent it for me. 
And okay. I just literally just worked to rebuild the business that I knew and I was so passionate about because my passion and love for for all aspects of the business came together so well. So, so I, I do, I like the fact that you hone in on what I always feel like is key when I talk to my clients that I consult for. You know, entrepreneurs or people with entrepreneurial spirits will have the notion to, you know, want to start doing things right away. And I'm like, before we go here to point C, do you need to have a registered business? A lot of times people don't. There are a lot of people who are present, especially online, that do not have anything actually registered. So all of the different like benefits in regards to tax, um, loan application, it's just different capital gain opportunities you're missing out on simply because you refuse to legitimize your business. And, you know, we can't speak for other nations and whatnot, but here, especially in the U.S., that's really how you legitimize your business. So the fact that, you know, she had this service going and she was doing her thing, but she had never even registered the business, she cut herself short. I'm assuming she's African-American. Yeah, she is. So imagine if she would have had a business registered, she's a young Black woman, there are monies that are available simply because you hit those criteria. That's yeah. it. Yeah, you know, I mean, so it wasn't a lot available. But what I found out about her in mm -hmm. terms of like, I never want to speak bad about her because it opened up opportunity, but I'm speaking in terms of business people in that one foot in, one one foot out type of thing that you talk about. Mm -hmm. Most of these people, as soon as they make the money, they're taking the money out. And that's right. the problem. So you know right. what? Bang, I just made $100. I'm taking this $100 out. And then I don't want no one to know about it. And what you're actually doing, you're actually suffocating your, your whole business in the next couple of years because right. you never gave, it's the, your business is like your child. If you don't feed your child, your child is going to be hungry. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, and, and that doesn't sound like the best analogy, but what I'm saying is you have to feed the beast. You have to support and give really good um, foundation to what you're doing it to then support you so it's it's definitely what you say is key we won't use children i don't want to yes. offend anyone here I know, I don't but offend nobody. in this in this environment we talk about flourishing and i'm a plant mom i always see like how important it is it's literally cultivating it's nourishing it's sometimes repotting your plant new soil inject with fertilizer, all kinds of different things. It makes it seem like, oh, we're just talking about a plant. But that's literally how you grow your business. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So so as a dog groomer, a black African dog groomer, you know, I've been to your shop. Are you still at you're still at the same yeah, space? Yeah, I'm still at the same right? shop. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like in the heart of Harlem, um my second favorite, like I'm a Brooklynite, but I mess with y'all. I mess with y'all. So in the heart of Harlem, um, and that's an environment actually, if I'm not mistaken, um, several Black-owned businesses are in that kind of like. Yeah, cuss. Yeah. What is that like as far as like interacting with other Black-owned businesses, the people? How is that for you? I mean, 
I mean, I'm the dog father of Harlem. So basically, I don't got to wait in no lines. I know everyone who are the owners. I have my favorite places I support. We do a lot of collaborations together, and we try to give back in so many different ways. So okay, that's right. the benefit of being a community of a whole bunch of Black-owned businesses where we find ways to connect. And every single one of them are VIP to me. They have a dog, and they need me to groom them. I fit them in my schedule. So when I go to their places and I want to sit down, I want to have a meal, they support me and they help me. So those are the French benefits. But overall, it's important mm -hmm. that we're still in this community and we're still showing that we're there because we're setting a standard for the future of Black-owned businesses and Black-owned kids that's looking to have a local space or they're looking to start their own business. Because right. I'm going to be honest with you, before the pandemic, a lot of us was just really getting to a point that, you know, we're not able to support our businesses because people mm -hmm. with more money are coming in. They're jacking up the commercial spaces and they're creating mm -hmm. unique businesses where we've done the same thing and never got the same type of support. You know, so right. that's been the challenge. But I think that a lot of us are coming together and we're finding ways to just support each other, you know. So, so talk to me a little bit about that because um, I don't even want to say it's like the comeback story of 2020, but I mean, your story, especially, you know, given we're in the season of COVID, it's so unique because in a sense, your business is now flourishing on another level. Um, yeah. You've got the, the puff release that sure. is poor that has taken off. You know, you're you you get to debut, I guess, premiere tonight on HBO Max. Yeah. So, I mean, the, a lot of different other opportunities, I'm sure, that have come about. Mm -hmm. So, tell me, tell me what COVID has been like for you. I'm gonna be honest with you. It's not COVID. It's always been the way I've moved. It's just so now people are catching up. You know, okay. I mean, I've been in media since 2015. I, I won the first grant from J.P. Morgan Chase. I won Mr. Mainstream grant um, where I help a lot of at-risk kids and bring them into the pet industry, teach them how to be bathers, teach them how to be groomers. And I, out of 33,000, I won 100 grand. And I expanded that program and I teach them to the point that they became employees of mine. So yeah. ever since then, I've kind of been having this microscope on me. But mm -hmm. what, I, what happened in COVID to me, it was a combination of two things. One is always me being very transparent with my clients and being mm -hmm. open and telling them, like, hey, this is what's going on with me. I just have to let you know and creating content around my services and what we do well and showing my passion. That's the one thing. And then the other thing that really worked for me is that I've always involved my community. Whatever I do, I try to find ways to give back. So okay. during COVID, the one thing that I, I, I geared towards was I looked at the way the businesses in terms of the restaurants were moving, where mm -hmm. they were losing their business. They were more operating less than like 25%. And yeah. they were still making lunches and breakfasts and dinners for the frontline people. And I was like, you're about to lose everything, but here you are making lunches, you're giving pizzas, you're making um, you know, meals for these people. I'm like, how are you doing this? And that 
idea and that whole concept of giving back to your community when your community is suffering is mm -hmm. what I took back and I created the Pup Relief Tour because I was like, you know what? I'm good. I've, I've, I've been in business for too long. I'm a mil I, I keep things very minimal. I, I'd rather, if my mom needs something right now, I can give it to her, but I, you know, I don't have a business. I don't, I don't, I'm not fancy. The only thing I love to do is travel. So I just try to stay very capital. And, and I started to just find ways to give back to the people who are in need. And my clients saw that and they started to give back. So it's because of the transparency and, and of them just giving back to me in mm -hmm. return of donations. I, I raised like $2,000 in one month just to give free wow. grooming services to people in need. When I saw that, I just posted it back on Instagram and on my business page. I got a pretty good following. And then mm -hmm. I just found out based on my tribe, I call it the tribe, the people that follow me, I have some very powerful people, you know, and it just so happened that one of them was a CNN producer um, mm -hmm. and she loved what we do. She's been following us for a year and, and, and she said, I wanted to do a story on you. So from that story went viral and we raised over $26,000 in GoFundMe. Wow. And, and, and more than that, we had more sponsorship from everyone else. And the television thing, I've always done television on the minimum. I've always pitched um, ideas for television, but a lot of people pitch dog-related ideas to me. So I would jump on it. You know, I got a nice smile and I'm always, hey, what's up? I'm always smiling. So that works in my, my advantage a lot. And, and that's how that became a television um, uh, opportunity that premiered um, to, today. So it's, it's, I feel like as a small business owner, you have to be transparent. You have to communicate with your tribe. And at yeah. the same time is that who you are will show up if you continue doing all the great things that make you and your business so wonderful. Interesting. So for, for those who, you know, are interested in, you know, trying to pivot, if you will, because, I mean, I think some people who are in business within the season of COVID, you know, they've definitely dealt with some struggles. Um, there have been a lot of people, though, on the other hand, that have um, benefited from a lot of capital that has been made available um, and are now in a position where they may have more access to cash, but they're not quite sure what to do with it. Yeah. Um, in addition to that, you know, there's this notion that um, whatever you have, you know, you should be dumping a good portion of it into social media. Um, I am of the belief that that's not really true because at mm. the end of the day, you look at statistics and whatnot, the majority of business owners make their monies off of customers who have been referred, not just, oh, I was scrolling through social media and I saw this and I clicked on it and then I spent money. You know, that's not really how it works. So what would you recommend to someone who's in that space of entrepreneurship, but they're not really sure what to do in the season of COVID with their business? Well, that's a very loaded question. I think you just kind of need to analyze where you are and in, in, in what industry you're in and look at the best practices of the people who are doing it well and take a little bit from that and just look at your situation. So in a retail business, in a space where you're selling products, 
yes, mm -hmm. it makes sense to have some, um, you know, advertising, but it's cheap for advertising right now. And you really, if you just follow the format of doing really good posts, really good engagement, when I say post good pictures, good engagement, and you follow all of the TikTok and the Instagram challenges, that brings awareness to your products, you know? The other thing that works too, you know, is really finding a way where your business is social conscious. How mm -hmm. is your business gonna help your community? And I say the last but not least is to communi communicate with your community. If you see in the gym, the gym, what they did was so crazy, the personal training, they mm -hmm. started a whole community around Zoom where they yeah. offer their services in a very unique way. And now that's how most of them are being sustained because they have 100 people paying $10 to do a 40 minutes workout. And, right. and, and, the, and I, there was one story of a gentleman who had a pizza shop and he has really famous pizza. And what he did, he created a box. So everything that he, you needed to create in this box to make that pizza that he gets from his restaurant, he put it in and he sold it to you. And then families were on a Friday night, they were doing an event around making that famous pizza. You know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's finding creative ways where you can keep in touch and bring in your community. It's almost like a funnel. You bring yeah. them in, you understand where they are in the buying process, and then you, you're able to sell to them. Yes, I really believe keeping the capital is up, cutting down your expenses is very important, and following mm -hmm. that, that one product or that one service that you know costs you less to do, but at the same time, you can actually maximize from that. And, and, and I think those are the important thing, but you shouldn't be spending your money all in advertising. Because especially if you're a black-owned business right now, the, the hype of supporting black-owned businesses is so high, it's you just need to find the yeah. influencers and the people in your community that you can actually collaborate with so that you can tap into their market and they can tap into your market. Those are the ways you can be successful because like, people are not going to be walking into the, the shop unless if it's a bar when you, you serve liquor and people just really want to hang out. But a lot of those retail-based services, you have to find a way to bring your products to people, um, your consumer hand. And that's ways you can be successful. I hear you. I think that's excellent advice. Um, my question to you, your community, your tribe that you mentioned, do you, are you aware of whether or not, I guess, what are the demographics within that tribe as far as like Sierra Leoneans versus non-Sierra Leoneans? None. <laughs> there's none. There's not, there's not a lot of Sierra Leoneans, not in New York, that owns dogs. I would think D.C. I'm, 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 I'm a Sierra Leonean and I'm tapped in. I take offense. There should you know be why I'm tapped in? Because you personally know me. That's why. So, um... That's not true. I, I would be real. Like, my Sicilian community, man, I don't understand y'all. That's not true. Trying, That's not why it's happened. No, but you know me, but you know I'm a business person. So you, if I was selling shoes or selling uh, cold water, it's the same thing. You know what I mean? It's just I'm selling a different service. So, like, 
That's what you are. So, I mean, I have a couple of Sicilian people that support me and they follow me. They don't understand it. I hope they take away from the business aspect of it that they can then implement in their business. Um, yeah, yeah, I do dogs. Fine, that's what I do. But I, I do other things too. I, I invest my money a lot. I mean, I don't talk about it. Like, but like, I trade. You know, so it's like there's so many. I travel. I love to travel. I want to do something in Sierra Leone. I don't know what it is yet, but definitely want to do some opportunities. So there is there. It's just that I'm gonna be real with you. Um, and and we're I I don't know. I think we're close in age or whatever. But like when I looked at the Sierra community in the past. It's always been about like enjoyment, and that kind of like, kind of like. I don't. I don't know that that's really changed. Um, yeah. So it's like we don't yeah. hear a lot of Sicilians owning businesses. They want. They they like working for other people. They like collecting the checks. They don't like to take risks. But there is a group that are really moving. They're trying, and I see a little bit of that. But then the other thing about Sicilians, we like. We we value our musicians and and our artists so such a big deal to us and I'm like okay this is how you can help these artists manage them teach them about social media teach them about other ways they can cross brand and find other opportunities and make money and hopefully you can make some money too but like we idolize all these young boys who who are doing wonderful music which is such a good thing because music really ties in with tourism for Sierra Leone. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like we're the we're and we have a lot of people who are in the medical field too. They work and they make pretty good money. But when are y'all gonna step up and own businesses, help our people in different ways? Like that's the well, thing that I've had. It pulls I've, had back. I've had this discussion with um, some of my, I would say, aunts and uncles, really, um, because you know. They're the ones who came. Our parents came. Some of them came, like my family, they came just for education and then stayed. Whereas, you know, you've got some other people, like a, a different, I would say, era where they came because of the war. Um, and then you have kind of an era after that where it was like post-war. So it could have kind of been anything, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little difficult. I've realized it's it's difficult because there is there's a history that's tied to Sierra Leone that is extremely unique and it's very difficult to try and do apples to apples when you're comparing a Sierra Leonean and their ability to progress, their ability to let's say invest on and so forth. Many people within our our parents' age groups, they they invested. And their first thought process was to invest back home. And their family members shitted on them. A lot of people, not everyone. But that trauma from being backstabbed by your own relative, many of them were not able to even get past that. So trying to put themselves out there again you know, take on another risk of thousands and thousands. Because that's the one thing, like you mentioned early on in our conversation, Sierra Leoneans, we know how to work and make money. And if we have a goal that we're working towards, we know how to make money and stack money. Yes, Salomon and Lek enjoyment. But when it comes down to it, if there's something that a goal that's being worked towards, 
we can be very disciplined as a people. But when you go through that process of being disciplined, gathering your funds, so on and so forth, and then you invest it and your own person backstabs and betrays you, you don't want to do that twice or three yeah. times. Right? And then, yeah, that's definitely true. And then it's like we have this whole um, judicial system mm-hmm. where we got to go to our auntie and uncle and mom, hey, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. I said, oh, now you fumble, now you this. Yeah. And that judicial system There's doesn't no penalize. There's no repercussions. Yeah. yeah. There's no, it doesn't penalize the people that do wrong. So right. you get to a point where you're like, damn. And then obviously you see what goes on in government, which has nothing to do in terms of what we're talking about. But it's just how that is not enough positive of people doing positive things. Well, what you just said, benefit. what you just said, I, I guess I could, I could make a case against that because ultimately one will say government is government business is business and you know initially i thought that however once i spent time in freetown a few years ago i realized how protected we are here as business people just because of laws basic laws the court system like how things are just in place how it it really truly means llc versus sole proprietor versus this, mm-hmm. like all of those differentiations. And if you really go to sue someone, they really have to pay all of yeah. these different things. That it's like, it's the wild, wild west out there. And even though the laws are there, the actual enforcement is not. So mm-hmm. when you say government is different from, it's really not. And that's the danger of why the reality has really set in. That's why I said, you know, you have to be there in person. You really have to be your advocate. Even if you have people there who want to advocate for you, the lack Mm -hmm. of education, the confidence to even be able to feel like you can speak and defend yourself. Mm -hmm. We have this benefit that we are like, I think we take for granted because, you know, we're born and raised here and we're able to like articulate ourselves, you know, we're, we're able to navigate in certain places. And as long as, you know, you're doing the right thing and you're working hard, like you can really elevate. And there you could have the best of intentions and that focus. But if you don't have the, the connection, you will easily be kept down or mm-hmm. first, if you're a woman. Versus if you're a man. Mm, And I realized how how muted my voice was until I was there as a businesswoman. And I'm not used to that. No, definitely. You're 100% right on that. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, one thing I will challenge you to, and I wouldn't challenge you unless I was willing to assist you. But one thing that I will challenge you to do because, you know, social media, it, it does have the power to be extremely powerful to the businesses, depending on, right? There are not enough Sierra Leoneans who can look to someone who looks like them, can speak their language, can truly relate to them, who is not terribly older than them, that is setting like a good example. You are doing that not only as a Black man, in one of the most difficult cities to be successful in, but 
you're also Sierra Leonean. You're definitely unique. I don't know another dog groomer that is African, much more Sierra Leonean. You probably are the only one. <laughs> <laughs> like, Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate I that. Do, I really, like, it's, it's just, it's true. So you have a huge opportunity to teach those, not just that are coming up, but your actual peers. And I know that there is, one of the things that I believe Sierra Leoneans suffer from is ego. I think I that- I don't have no ego, but they do. I, I, I believe that it's in you, but you probably have it in check. And that's the thing. I feel like all of us come with an ego. No one is exempt or very few, but checking your ego, managing your ego so that you can like elevate. I feel like very few people within our community really have that on lock. And I feel like those who have it on lock, you have a huge opportunity to impart knowledge. I, I really appreciate that. It's definitely things that I've thought about and I, um, I've always wanted to do because I'm like, I'm here helping everybody else. What about my people? Like that, that yeah. goes to my head all the time. Yeah. And, and I, and I can say I have tried. I, one other African Syrian guy worked with me for two years uh, and he's doing his thing. You know, we had our quarrels and all, but I, I do see that. How do I say it? Like, when I'm in front of Americans or when I'm in front of, um, you know, Caucasians, there's this whole admiration of, wow, like, you know, but when I'm in front of our own, it's all, all you know, the other Salomon, there's no sense of like, I don't want to say respect because that's not the right word. There's mm -hmm. no sense of, okay, let, let's, let, let's, let, let me learn from you. You know what I'm saying? It's more like we're on the same level, whatever. And I respect that. But at the same time is that, my time is so important to me, right? So, like, if I'm spending my time to do something, I, I, I kind of want to see some value that people would get from it. And, I, and, and honestly, that's something that I had to learn that just give it out to the universe, and then whatever happens, happens. But in the past, when I've tried, I've mm -hmm. always felt like it was a waste of my time. Well, you know what the difference is between the past and now? Yeah. You have me as an advocate. Oh my God. Thank you. Congrats. I mean, I'm open to doing things. I just think that my business, my business knowledge and, and it's like, I, I'm a business person. Like I understand the ins and outs of business. And I, and I, I definitely want to say that really came from being at JP Morgan in those four years, that the amount of courses that we took, I have yeah. my series six, my life and health, you know, I have all that investment background too where like that really was a point that made me interested and wanted to learn more about everything that came in front of me you know what i mean so I like i think that the opportunity is there um i would love to hear what you have in mind i just i, I would really would want more serious people to take the venture and and be ownership let them own their own business let them start something and I really think the opportunity in Sion is tourism. I think it's the quickest, fastest opportunity to make money as the country changes. Uh, but it, it just needs to be done right. I because, agree. You know, that's, 
like for me, that's why I spent the six months there. You know, we have a few minutes left, but the time that I even came to your shop, I had just got back from Sierra Leone, I think two weeks. Mm. And I'd been there. I'd been in Africa total for eight months, but I had been in Sierra Leone for six of those eight. Mm -hmm. And my whole purpose was to visit other African countries and experience them, not just as a tourist, but like, you know, kind of get into the culture. And I had that access. So I took advantage of it and it was a huge blessing. But I also learned what, what Sierra Leone was lacking but how easily Sierra Leone could get there, you know, given the right leadership, the right programming and the right influencers, et cetera, to tap in. So it's not just going to be one different thing, but as far as like what you can do, we can talk about it. I really, I, I can already see it. I mean, mm. I can already see it. It's, it's not really anything complicated. And I don't think you'll really have to spend as much time as you're probably thinking. I think nah. it's really about no, content definitely. and scaling it. Okay, cool. Well, I'm down to it. Well, I really appreciate it. We've been trying this for a while, so I really appreciate this. Yes. And, and congratulations on all your success and everything that you're doing. And Congratulations to you, sir. Yeah, I mean, thank I'm you. drinking water, but cheers, because you're going to be on HBO Max tonight. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, it just came out already, so it's good. It came out. They, they did it at midnight. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. This is out now. I mean, a lot of people just been DMing and texting me about my episode. So it was a good thing. So a lot of great things are coming along. So I'm happy about that. You know? You should be extremely proud. I know your mother is proud. Everybody is my just mom on the finally side. understand this whole dog thing. <laughs> she finally understood it. She didn't understand it before, but now she like she's she like, gets How it. Are the doggies. Oh. Yeah, so for those of you who have joined, um, we are getting ready to wrap up. I'm with okay. Brian Taylor, who is Mr. Mr. Dogfather of Harlem, actually. Thank you. That's who he is. Um, that's one of, of all of who he is. Yeah, that's one um, part of him. Yes. On HBO Max, I don't know if you want to go ahead and like give the, the yeah, speech. Yeah, so I was featured on a dog competition called Hot Dog. Uh, it, it premiered last night at midnight. I'm on episode three. Uh, it's a really good competition. You got to watch it. I can't tell you what happened at the end. But um, I think you would be proud of me. So Aww. that's what's up. And, and uh, I own all of Doggy Day Spa. And I own Pup Relief Tour. And right now, I just really want to grow my brand and, and look for opportunities to work in so many different avenues. So I'm down for it, you know? Let's do it. Let's continue to elevate. And I love so, cassava leaf. <laughs> I'm, I'm a potato leaf person, but I, I'm about to go eat cassava leaf. So I'll, right. I'll take a bite for you. All right. So, yeah. Thank you. See you later. Thanks to everyone who has joined. Until the next conversation, everyone stay safe and be well. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for spending time with us at I Am Gaima, a podcast. It's a shit show out here, y'all. We need each other more than ever. So let's stay connected. Feel free to share, like, and subscribe on various social media platforms. You can find us at I Am Gaima or 
Kaima Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For a deeper connection, consider joining the community. Visit kaimashow.com to submit your email and become a part of the monthly conversations. I actually try and send out notes consistently and I respond. Until next time, be intentional about what you listen to and protect your peace.